You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I think sports are, are training, endurance training anyway, it's like business. It's, it's a lot in the preparation. It's daily, it's consistency, right? You can't win in one day, you can't lose in one day. It's just, it's a build and you need to be patient. That was Chris Guimet. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Thanks for tuning in to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. On today's episode, I sync up with Chris Guimet, the co-founder and CEO of Velifix, a very cool mobile bike shop that comes to your doorstep whether you're in a bustling city or out in the burbs. They have free coffee and Wi-Fi while you wait for your bike to be serviced. From tune-ups to bike building and boxes, they do it all. And guess what? Chris and I talk about where it all began, how his passion for cycling and triathlon fueled his career, his recent age group win at Ironman World Championship in Nice, all the bells and whistles offered at Velofix, and... He shares a few pro tips he learned from athleticism that he uses in career and life. And of course, we talk about Ironman and all the races and the sport that fuels him for success. I hope you enjoy today's episode. And before we get started, I wanted to share a word about one of my favorite sponsors, Mad Ritual. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off the charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. We are here with Chris Guimet. That is perfect. Parce que je parle français. Uh, a wee bit, a little bit. Yeah, my <laughs> mom's from Scotland and my yeah. dad's from France. So it's. And I am Canadian. So I do have, you know, there is the French Canadian plus the real French plus the Scottish. So, yeah. I was just in France for, uh, for the Ironman World Championship in Nice. 
Yeah. And by the time I left, I was, you know, I was getting a lot better. I saw that you did that. I saw that was in your bio already. That is pretty impressive. Well, you got to, uh, you, when you don't have a lot of achievements, you got to yeah. get the ones that you have and get them in there as soon so as you So when did you qualify for uh, Nice? I did, uh, I actually raced with the Challenge Athletes Foundation at Oceanside. I okay. Oceanside. So that would have been, I think that was April. April, I believe it was. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did, were there a lot of quali- What's What was your age group? Uh, so I am older. Uh, I'm in the 45 to 49, is it? Or oh, wow. 50, that's still a challenge. That's like a very competitive it age It is, group. yeah. You know what? I ended up winning my age group, which was a bit of a shock to me and a surprise. And it's a big race. But yeah, I think... I hadn't done an Ironman since 2012, so maybe I was fresh. I think the oh, legs were fresh. Oh, you had fresh legs. Yeah. There's not yes. a lot of wear and tear on my body in the last five years. Too yeah. busy building the business. Yes. Well, that is other, another kind of wear and tear. So tell me all about VeloFix because it is a very, very cool concept. Thank you. Yeah. we. Uh, so my, my business partners and I, uh, David and Boris and, and myself, um, launched the business January 2013. And uh, we were in David's garage drinking beer and uh, throwing around all these ideas. And uh, the business was really launched because uh, David and I were uh, suffering customers. Uh, Boris was working in a bike shop while he was going to university. So he saw it from the bike shop perspective. We saw it from a customer perspective. And really for us, it was just painful to get to a shop. They were open when we were working uh, right. They'd have your bike for a, up to a week, 10 days, and you know we wanted to ride our bikes. So at that time, you know, 2013, uh, you've got Uber and Amazon Prime and all these kind of concierge-type uh, on-demand services. So the thought process was, can we put a bike shop in the back of a vehicle and take it to somebody versus somebody having to go to a bike shop? And uh, it was that simple. And how long did it take for you to put the first one together? Like, how did you do that? Yeah, so I didn't, thankfully. Uh, Boris did. Uh, but we basically got together in October of 2012, mm-hmm. and we had a truck in January. So Boris, uh, literally sitting in a Home Depot parking lot, built it from scratch. And um, we've done 100 plus of them, and they haven't changed much. You know, they, right, there's, it, there's some modifications, but the basic concept and the basic setup is the same as the first one. What is the basic concept and the basic setup? So you've got a Mercedes Sprinter van. Um, there's a, approximately 100 square feet in there. There is a work service station, so all the, the tools and accessories and mechanic needs. And then we've got parts and accessories. So it is really like a bike shop. Uh, everything from uh, Garmin bike computer to Oakley sunglasses to bar tape to... Um, power meters, you know, anything you can get at a bike shop, uh, we have available and coffee, Uh, coffee. We have coffee, uh, which is critical coffee and bikes go together. And that's the basic concept of it. It's a, it's a rolling bike shop. So by the time it comes to your home or your office, um, we can do uh, road bike, mountain bike, commuter bike, electric bike, anything you have, we can look after you. You also do all the bike box. Like you take apart people's bikes if they're traveling for races and you put them back together, you put them in their bike boxes. Like you do all of the services. Yeah. So the business really started in the beginning uh, with a simple concept of service. So what, you know, we've got a minor tune, major tune, full overhaul, and we've got a la carte. And really when we started in the beginning, it was just roll up to your home. Uh, You go on your smartphone, uh, you put in your postal code or zip code, and we come to your house and service your bike. And then as it evolved, uh, we started realizing that there's a lot of corporate customers that have fleets of bikes and they want their employees riding. So we have a lot of corporate customers like Microsoft and Google and Snapchat, Facebook, companies like that. So that got evolved into it. And then 
with the move to direct to consumer. So you take a, a brand like Canyon, for example, right. you buy your bike online, you can actually have VeloFix bring it to you and build it, uh, give you a quick fit, safety check it and take it away. And things like you're talking about are, are things that evolved over time. Uh, we have a lot of triathlete customers. I yeah. will say they're our, our best customers. They've got less time. Yes. And uh, also and like need. no attention span. No Nobody attention wants span. to put their bike together. No, no. And and, and and then when you do, you're terrified that you might die we were when talk- you get on. We were talking <laughs> about I that am. earlier. <laughs> Somebody said, well, it's really easy to, you know, these bikes you buy online, they're really easy to assemble. And I said, well, they may be. But at the end of the day, when I'm going down a hill very fast, yeah. I would much rather in my mind know that I didn't build the bike yes. that a certified professional mechanic did. 100%. So. That is how I feel. We did Ironman. My partner and I went and we did Ironman Austin, the 70.3. And we thought that we could take our bikes apart. Like, And of course, we waited till like the night before. So we had to get in our car. We were like, of course, we were like at this point where we had already been ready to kill each other over who was doing it right and wrong. And Sounds then we, we finally got the bikes and put them in our car and drove up to the Upper West Side to the only other bike shop that was open in New York at that time and begged them. Like they were closing. We begged them. To, to take our bikes apart and put them in the boxes. And then we got to Austin and it was like a similar situation where my partner thought that she could put the bikes together and she did hers, but I was very nervous. And so we went to Mellow Johnny's and they put the bike together for us. But I will never, ever do that again. That is for sure. I will be like Velo Fix 100%. <laughs> like I'm hear. going, do you team up with Iron Man or any we of those We do, companies? yeah. So, I mean, what you're talking about is is I'm kind of laughing because we all go through yeah. this. Yeah, uh, my wife think- and I actually did Ironman 2012 together, Ironman Canada. Thankfully, we you know we had a place there, so we were kind of we were based there. But the stress of an Ironman event is when you're training 12 months or you know 16 months for this event, and it's a one day event. That's stressful enough, and then you add a bike issue mm-hmm. and and things like that. So we have now with our system, we've got a 150 franchise partners across North America. Yeah. So. A lot of times somebody will book with us in their hometown of New York. Right. We'll come, we'll make sure the box, the bike is boxed up, ready for travel. And then we'll have somebody on the other end, a franchise partner will come to your hotel, your Airbnb, wherever you're staying and build the bike up and have that's it amazing. ready to go. So yeah, it's, it's shocking. And I'm one of these people and, and that's probably, you know, one of the reasons we started this business was cause I'm exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Last minute running around with your head cut off, yeah. show up at the race, you're stressed out and you're trying to figure it out then. So it's very common. Yeah. Triathletes are very busy people. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's why I think our service is, is so good for them. Do you have a, a lot of uh, franchisees in New York City? Yeah, all around. So we're just talking about that as, as we're coming down here is Manhattan. We've got a lot of customers in Manhattan mm-hmm. and we do, uh, we do some work in Manhattan, but we don't have a, um, a franchise partner that owns it at this point in time. Uh, the traffic and parking, it's a bit of a different model here, but we've mm-hmm. got trucks all around. So we've got trucks from Albany, Connecticut, uh, in the boroughs, uh, Long Island. Um, so we're all around Manhattan. So do you ever have like for a day in Manhattan, like you could have the truck come in and like just do a couple of stops, even if they're not owned by somebody here? Yeah. So the, so our New York Metro partners come in and they do do work in Manhattan right now. So we yeah. do deliveries, we do tune-ups, uh, we do come in. And we are currently looking at you know what we specifically do for this market because it's like no other market in North America. Mm-hmm. There's other markets that are busy and traffic's you know not as not as good, but it's just I think we came a mile and a half to to sit down with you and it was you know forty minutes. Yeah, no, I mean you know, it's there is no there is no bike shop in my neighborhood. I live in Battery Park. 
and I'm downtown a lot, so I have to go up to Chelsea. It's just not, it's not convenient. And I definitely, I mean, I know a lot of athletes in New York that travel all over with their bikes and to know that there is something like VeloFix where they could just book an appointment. I mean, for me to take my bike, I could ride it. Okay, fine. I also might have to take it in a cab. Then I pay for the cab. Then I go to the shop. Then it's there for a week. I can't ride it. Then I have to go back and get it. It's not like a 10 minute throw it in your car in the suburbs no, it's and drive. It's, it's a full day event. It's a for three some hour people. thing. Yeah. So for three hours of my time, I'd rather just have Velofix come yeah. right outside my apartment. I'll call like 10 friends, tell them that I, in the we, neighborhood. Absolutely. We will you know, put that together. Party. Yeah. yeah. We've, I mean, we, we do a lot of those things. We do a lot of events, team teams and clubs. We do a lot of yeah. events like that and they'll have uh, fundraiser nights or they'll have get togethers and the book and the van will be out there working on, on their bikes uh, while they're meeting. So yeah. yeah, I think that's something we do for sure. I mean, this market, especially, I know a lot of people as well that are serious triathletes that train here, you know, serious cyclists that train here. And this market's no different than most North America's. There's been a decline of traditional brick and mortar shops and it's, it's hard. It's a, that's a hard business model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as there becomes less and less shops and they also, they have to move away from high rent districts, which you take New York, for right. example, everywhere is high rent. So right. that's why the model works so well. But yeah, we'd love to love to come and sort out you and your friends. That'd be great. What was your background in business before you got into VeloFix? Because I could see like you're passionate about training and sports. And obviously that's what fuels you for success in your business. But what were you doing before? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, uh, sports and exercises has always been a, as much as anything a stress reliever. And uh, using it to to remain calm and focused and, and be able to blow off some stress. And I've been involved in a lot of different things, uh, consumer packaged goods, uh, selling to major retailers, different brand products and things like that over the years. And, you know, cycling for me was, uh, was always an escape and a, and a way to, you know, uh, decompress. And I was very passionate about it and passionate about triathlon and running as well. And quite frankly... I knew nothing about the bike business. My partner, David, knew nothing about it. Boris worked in a shop while he was going to school, but ignorance uh, is bliss, as they say. And we probably wouldn't have started this business if we understood what was going on. So, you know, we brought a different perspective into it. And when we launched the business, we literally couldn't get a supplier to sell to us because they said, what's your, what's your address? We said, oh no, we're mobile. Here's our business idea. And they said, no, you need a, you need a storefront or we won't sell to you. So we've come a long way since then, but um, yeah, I think not knowing how it worked really helped us because we you mean re- like bikes, like well, like just brands yeah, or like just the whole yeah. yeah, the whole model. I mean, the the supply chain, who gets what product, how right. the, how those things. Because I know that's very political. It's very yeah, it's and it's changed a lot, and and you know we've got two, uh, well we have many many great suppliers, but the two biggest suppliers in the industry have also changed the way they look at things. And I think there's a new focus now. And I think online has driven a lot of that as well. Right. You can get products in different places now. Right. And our business was always based on trying to be a premium service and sell premium products. Mm-hmm. So when we launched, I think there was a concern that uh, because we were a mobile shop, we didn't have the same overheads and costs as a traditional brick and mortar. Right. So they thought, well, this isn't fair. Velofixes can sell things cheaper and do things cheaper. And really our model was always to try to stay at the high end and be a premium service because we thought that coming to somebody's home and offering one-on-one concierge work, there was a value to it. So we always priced ourselves in terms of the market at the higher end of labor rates. All of our product is sold at SRP retail pricing. We don't discount our product. So yeah, I think my background helped get us here because I've worked at 
you know, hundred million dollar companies and thirty billion dollar companies and, and everything in between. So, kind of new from that perspective of you know how do we how do we get a brand to market? How right. do we position ourselves in the market? And then um, you know David Boris and I all had different skill sets, which and I that think is also a huge, a huge yeah. benefit. Yeah, because you you know you when you have three founders and things evolve over time and change, and they do. If all three of you have the same skill set or are focusing on the same thing, the business will suffer. And we were very lucky that we all had different skill sets. We all had the same vision of where we wanted to get to, but without either, you know, any of us, it, it, it wouldn't have worked. So yeah. it's, it's been a great relationship. And you've really and, been able to scale it. I mean, you have, you just said you have 150 trucks out there now. Yeah. Well, we have 150 franchise partners. So franchise I think, partners. yeah, I think the last count were, were, were over a hundred mobile shops on the road. And currently, uh, we've got, um, you know, the majority of our, of our, of them are franchised. We've just launched two corporate trucks in Austin, Texas. Uh, we yeah, in Austin, uh, which is where our U S head office is. We just opened oh, really? that a couple of weeks ago oh, and, that's awesome. um, and we will continue to put corporate trucks on the road. But, you know, we're a franchise business. Uh, we love so our corporate franchise trucks partners. Are your trucks. Yeah, so we own them. And uh, really for us, it's just, it's scaling out the market. It's getting more mobile shops on the road. Because at the end of the day, the more coverage we have, we get better partners. Uh, our suppliers like it more. We can leverage the power of, of the buying group. So I was looking at your franchise, or your price to entry. How would someone franchise a VeloFix truck. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's quite simple. So the franchise fee is $25,000. The mobile shop, so the sprinter and the build out with all the inventory is approximately 150. And you can, you can finance that. Mm-hmm. So for 55,000, you, you have the keys and you're rolling around compared to opening a brick and mortar store. Mm-hmm. It's significantly less. And we tried to keep the franchise fee low. And as I said, we work on the financing and, and help support with that so that we could get people in the business. So we've got mechanics mm-hmm. that were working in a shop that wanted to own their own and doing a bike shop just was out of their reach financially. Uh, so we've got mechanics, uh, we've got people that were in the industry and left because they kind of hit that glass ceiling very quickly because working in a bike shop, you can only earn so much money. And then we've got what we call investors. So those are people that are uh, in other businesses they like the model, they like what we're doing, but they don't want to manage it day to day. You know, they're involved in so it. So they'll invest in the yeah, franchise. Yeah, and they'll hire, and they'll hire, they'll hire a manager and, the ma- you know, a regional manager or manager and they'll hire uh, the mechanics. So we don't have, that I'm aware of, anybody that was actually looking to buy a franchise. Right. If that makes it's any sense. It's very different. It's you a know, very cool model. Yeah. So the people we have, the one connection is always that they're passionate about cycling. Yeah. Whether it's mountain, road, triathlon, but they get the model right away. So they saw it somewhere, they were a customer or somebody they know used it and instantly, like you just said earlier, they're like, wow, that makes sense. Like it makes sense that you'll come to my home. So we've got a lot of great franchise partners. And as I said, I think the fee is low enough for a lot of them that it's, we try to keep that opportunity as low as possible. Yeah. Obviously there's some costs involved in doing it, but yeah, we've got, you know, we've got great stories of franchise partners that scrape together everything they had and, and they've, they've been very successful with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really, I mean, it's a really fun concept, I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, at the end well, of the like day, if I didn't already have 10 companies, yeah. I'd probably be considering. Well, I, was hoping, I was hoping we'd sell a few franchises by the time we were well, done let's here. See. But Maybe you never know where we work. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it's, I, I think there's a, there's definitely a huge piece of passion in this business because you're around bikes, you're at events, you're dealing with people, with their bikes who, you know, there's just, there's a passion to it. So I think when you talk to the mechanics that are in the vans, um, 
they, they really get to connect with the customer. And I think that's something that's missed in, in most retail environments where it's one-on-one time. Um, it's, you can ask, ask questions, you're not intimidated and it's just, there's a powerful connection that happens. So, um, I think people that have bought franchises see that and the network building that happens incredible. Yeah. I mean the whole, ad, you know, cycling's a new golf, like every community we're in the connections that happen because of bikes is is amazing and even personally for me yeah i mean um, for me too i mean just in new york city like when i go out and ride up over the gw and 9w if i'm not training for a race seriously i probably like hang out at the bike shop for 30 minutes and like stare at everyone's bikes and talk about bikes and there's a whole culture it's it's a little bit like running but it's kind of next level in terms of like the community around cycling yeah, the uh, I, and I was, you know, as I said, I was not really in that community before. What were you doing before? Like, well, I was you... doing some. I was doing, you know, two thousand and nine. I did Ironman Canada, uh, but more of a runner. So yeah. I'd done some marathons and things like that. And when you train for an Ironman, as you know, or my experience was, I, I did a lot of it on my own back then. I didn't right. have a team or a club, so it was very solo type efforts. Mm-hmm. And when we started this business and I started riding with more people, I, I really started to see the power of, of like the community and the social aspect of it Yeah, where, you know, in running most of the time you run on your own, maybe you find a partner that runs at the same pace and, yeah. and you can run together, but you can go on group rides with 20, 30, 40 people. And as you rotate through, you could end up talking to most of them. Yeah. And I know could, a lot of my friends are like doing business on their bike. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so the triathlon part of it where I started, I, the last few triathlons, I've got some training buddies and you kind of, you build a bit of a community, but I was really pleasantly surprised with cycling where to your point, you roll up and, you know, meet at a coffee shop and everybody's looking at everybody's bikes and their shoes and the new gear. And, and it's, you know, yeah. And you go for a good long ride and then you go and have a beer after a coffee after and you talk about the ride and it's, it's very, very social. It is, it is a new golf. It's, it's an opportunity where you can do business, you can network and when everybody's on a bike, it's just equal. Yeah. It's right. true. Are there any good lessons that you've learned from sports now since you've started your company and that you're building this brand that you take from your training that you've brought over to business or vice versa? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I think first and foremost, what you realize in business and training is there's good days and bad days. And the best athletes that I've been around, pro athletes and, and people that have been very, very successful are the same as business people, is they, they really try to keep the highs and lows in check because you, you know, it's a roller coaster. And, and I find in, in business, it's the same as training. You know, some days you go out and just feel like a million dollars and, and you feel incredible. And there's other days you've got no energy and you're flat and you can't, you know, if it's a negative experience, you can't let that ruin your next couple of weeks. And if it's a positive experience, you also have to be realistic about what's coming. So I think sports is, is like business is very humbling. Yeah. Like even the best don't win all the time and have off days. And yeah, so I, I had a tough a marathon. Part. Actually, I, it was the, one of the most amazing experiences, but I've never gone to a race in the 10 years I've been doing triathlon and gotten sick, oh, no. like with a cough. So, I mean, that was like such a huge lesson for me. I was like pissed off for 13 miles. <laughs> Pissed off is okay sometimes. Oh it's, yeah, uh, thirteen but, miles of like, who am I going to kill because I'm sick? Yeah, and and I think it's that's another great lesson is yeah. you, there's some things outside of your control. Yeah, and, and that was the lesson yeah. for me. And timing, and yeah. so I think sports or, or training, endurance training, anyways, like business, it's it's a lot in the preparation. It's daily. It's consistency. Right. You can't win in one day. You can't lose in one day. It's just, right. it's a build yeah. and you need to be patient. And, uh, that's hard t- at times for sure. But, yeah. uh, I think those are good lessons. And then 
playing soccer growing up or, you know, the team sport aspect is, is very similar when you get into a business environment is everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses. You know, you can't treat everybody the same, but, um, you're trying to figure out what that goal is and get everybody going in the same direction. So that's, that's very, you know, I think that has a lot to do with sports as well as you realize yeah. when you're in a team environment is you have to rely on other people and similar to building a business is you, nobody can do it on their own. Yeah. Right. So you have to have a great team. Yeah. And then you mentioned before we started talking, your daughter is in Australia. So is she also super athletic? You're going to make me start crying now. It's, oh, uh, no. it's been a lot harder than what? I thought it would be. Yeah. She took a, she took a year off. So she finished high school and, um, she'd been to Australia before and she's got a good friend down there. So uh-huh. she, and she doesn't like being cold. Oh, so, so that we have that in common. Canada. <laughs> yeah. So Vancouver is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly mild where we live, but was that uh, the Ironman that you did? I did yeah. Ironman Canada twice. Yeah. Is it? Cause I know there's also one in Whistler. Well, so what happened was, uh, Penticton, which is, right. uh, was where Ironman Canada was. They lost it for about four years okay. and it went to Whistler and now it's returning. Okay. So next year it's back in Penticton. Cool. So, yeah. um, yeah, she, uh, so she, Good for her. She's, um, she doesn't know what she wants to do at school and she wants to go travel for a year and it was hard at the airport. I'm, I'm still struggling, but yeah, both my kids played very competitive soccer. So she's, yeah, she's a really, really good athlete and she's taking some time off now. She had scholarship offers and discussions with schools in Canada, but most places in Canada are pretty cold. So yeah. I, I think she may end up in Australia. At, and your at wife school. is also an athlete. Yeah. Like you she's, you guys did uh, we Iron did, Man together. We did Ironman together in, in 2009 and, you know, she did it off about three months training. So she's a probably, well, she is a better athlete than I am for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we ride together and, um, and run together occasionally as well. I think she's going to do an Olympic distance next summer. Yeah. So she'll be back at it. Uh, we had a, I had a busy year. So I did, um, in December I did Palm Springs 70.3. Then I did Oceanside. Then I did, um, the 70.3 in St. George, Utah, mm-hmm. the North American championship. We did a couple, uh, Olympic distances up in, in the Okanagan and then Nice. So nice. Yeah, my, my uh, someone else who was on the podcast was going to Nice. He said the bike was really. T- he's a coach here in New York, and he said that the bike was obviously super technical. Did you love that or? Yeah. So where we're from uh, in Vancouver, we we climb a lot. Yeah. So I love it. So the hills, the hills weren't the problem. A couple things. So my age group was the last to go of the day. Okay. So you were. So we, you know, we were two hours behind the first wave. So by the time we got on the bike course, it was it was quite busy. The climbing was okay, but the descending, it was technical, uh, through small French towns and there was a lot of people on the roads. So the, the descending part was, it was tough because there were narrow roads and you'd have three or four people wide. So that was a little bit hairy. Uh, and I didn't ride a TT bike. I rode a, I rode a, an aero road bike, but, uh, I enjoyed the climbing part. Yeah. It was a tough, tough, that was the hardest bike course I've ever done. Really? In a triathlon. Yeah. As you know, most yeah. triathlons are fairly straight and there may be hills, but they're not I mean, not this, that this was, I think, basically the first 45K were up. Really? And then the, the, the second half was back down the other side of the mountain. That's so, so That sounds so exciting for me. Like, I love technical biking. I've never actually experienced such technical biking because I live in New York and, you know, we get 9W, but I've done a few races, but nothing crazy. Yeah, but I it think... it just sounds like really like you it was epic. focus. It yeah. was epic. It was, uh, I mean, just rolling through these small French towns and looking down on, on the mountain out towards the, the ocean. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. But there, you know, we met quite a few people. I know when we, we pre-rode the course and there was a bunch of people from Texas there yeah. and they were just 
dying. Oh, they just had a look on their face like, oh boy. So, which, you just, so you're gonna do um, you're gonna do Iron Man Canada? No, 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 no. I'm. Uh, I don't want to say I'm retired, but uh, I took what five years off. Uh, no, sorry, t- 2012 to 2019. So I took seven years off. Um, I don't like to swim. Nobody I really likes to swim. Don't, I don't no, even know I, why I, it's I've part of triathlon. friends who, who like swimming. There, okay, like Lucy Charles likes to swim. Yeah. Well, I would too if I was as good as her. She's amazing. Yeah. There's some rumors about doing Alcatraz, Escape from Alcatraz Wait, next but year. but you don't like to swim? It's not that I don't like to train for it. I don't mind the actual day of swimming. Okay. I just don't like going to a pool and staring at the bottom of a pool and swimming. I oh. don't like that part of it. But to jump off and, and swim in the ocean, I love it. Okay. Like my best swims are always open water. Uh, we did the LA try yeah. as well. And uh, that was pretty hairy. The waves were crazy off, off the beach. And I, I'm pretty comfortable in that. I and wish it probably I was. actually yeah. makes, it probably equals me out with, with good swimmers. Yeah. You know, because you can't get a great stroke and you're always in the chop. Yes. So that kind of evens it out because I'm not a good swimmer at all. Yeah. But I think it's funny because I think that I am actually a good swimmer. Like I can, I'm, I have a lot of endurance. Like I don't think I have the good technique, but I can go, go, but put me in the ocean and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm drowning. It's over, but I'm not, you know, it's like mental. I swim miles so in mental. the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so mental. I swim. There's a shark in the office. That There's shark a shark looks, in the studio. That shark does not look like it can swim very well. No, it's like really, it's like my totem animal. I don't know. It's beautiful but though. Yeah. No, we're going to yeah. do, um, we're signing up for Muscle Man, which is in, it's now a new Ironman race upstate New York. Oh, ah, okay. Cool. Um, yeah. And it's in July, which is like the perfect timing because I could start training next month. So you where know, do you basically. do, where do you do your training here? So you're on so the trainer. So in New York we go, in New York I have a trainer at home. And I also will like ride outside, but not really now. And then, so I'll just go on the trainer and then I, um, I train at Chelsea Pierce fitness. So they have a pool and a track. Awesome. So it's like, and you get up to the park when the weather's better or yeah, yeah. I do. I like to go out over the G- GW and up the Palisades and nine W because there's more climbing and okay. the Palisades, there's a lot of climbing. So yeah. I try to train out there outside the city, yeah. but I've done that ride once. It was yeah. it was amazing how quickly you go from the city to the woods. Yeah. So it was yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So that's my that's my training. And then and you, speaking of athletes and training, you have a lot of amazing ambassadors that you're working with in races and the Grand Fondo. That yeah. You're yeah. Yeah. A big part of of what we do is um, I mean we've got two kind of we've got a group of about seven hundred. Um, uh, community ambassadors right. that support the brand and, and uh, support us. And then we've got some, uh, you know, high level athletes that have, that have been ambassadors for us over the years and still are. We work with Dave Scott, who's, who's obviously right. a legend of triathlon, Simon Whitfield, who is a name, uh, if you know triathlon and you have a history, he won the first ever gold medal in Sydney in the Olympics. And then he won a silver in Beijing. He's been to four Olympics. He's a Canadian, you know, hero icon. So he owns two franchises. And uh, he's been a great ambassador for us over the years. Uh, we've worked with Leanda Cave, who, uh, who's just a, a wonderful human being. She's retired now. You know, we do some work with Phil Guyman, who's a cyclist, and, and support his Fondo. Uh, Axel Merckx, who's become a very good friend over the years. Uh, we support his Fondo up in Canada as well. So for us, you know, there's um, community events is, is really in cycling a big part of what right. we do. And you need to give back those in those communities, and you need to do these events and support them. So we do... I mean, we'll do everything from Kona, Hawaii to, you know, going to the local elementary school and teaching kids how to safety check their bikes or ride their bikes and everything in between. And, you know, obviously for us, there's a give back in the community. There's a connection in the community. 
you know, it obviously works as a market marketing uh, tool as well, but um, that's big in cycling. You can't fake that. Yeah, you know, you have no. to, you have to be engaged in the community, you know, the triathlon community, the cycling community, and you have to be at these events giving back. Cause that's a big part of you know yeah. what we do. So when we sell a franchise to somebody or when we're launching our own corporate trucks, now it's a big part of their time and energy needs to be spent at these events, providing tech support, you know, helping out where you can. And it, um, it's been powerful. I think we'll do over 2000 events this year. Wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, you mentioned like traveling, uh, our franchise partner in Kona, Nick Nelson, is, is such a wonderful guy. He's, he's um, you know, he's been over there now. I think he's four years. Uh, he's had a franchise. And the amount of people that know him and travel. And, you know, there's other races in Kona throughout the year. And people yeah. go to train there as well. So it's a very small uh, community of people that live there. But the influx of triathletes and, and people riding is huge. So Yeah, we might go, we might go this spring to do some, some course recon. I'm setting it up on my vision board I for like, like 20. I'm not ready for Kona, but okay. no, I would well, like to go there and, and do like a series with all the athletes that would be great. get ahead of it yeah. beforehand. Yeah. It's, I've, I've never raced Kona and, and I will before, you know, yeah. I'm thinking after 50, I'll, uh, I'll try to I'm do that. I'm thinking like 90. Yeah. So you know, I can qualify. I don't <laughs> That's a, That's long-term vision. Yeah. No, right it's there. a very long-term vision. I feel like yeah. the time qualification, Yeah, know, everything it, for me is starting at 90. I like that. I like that. It's a goal. Yeah. I, I um, Ironman is, uh, you know, the training and racing the 70.3 in my life is, it's still early mornings and you're still very, very busy, but to train and race an Ironman at this yeah. point in my life, I just, there's just it's no It's a lot way. of training. Yeah. Really? I never, I've never done Ironman. I've done 70.3s and that is the perfect level of training is, when you're like CEO running a business and balancing family and all the other things in life. You know, I think even that, if you get I try to stay around 12 hours a week, which is not a lot. It's like, I'm not winning in my age group. Yeah. You probably need to do like 16 <laughs> or yeah, 18. I, I, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, you gotta be, the, the thing I have learned is as I've gotten older is actually doing less. Yeah. You know, back in but consistently doing yeah, less, being, like, yeah, being, being consistent and just trying to maximize the workout more. Yeah. Like I find it's like anything in life. If you have less time, the efficiency factor needs to go up. You know, yeah. if you've got all weekend or if you've got six hours, you may go out and ride for four, but how effective was it? And then right. as you get older, the body doesn't recover at the same. No. So quite frankly, training more hours is not beneficial. Yeah. I don't know where the, the sweet spot is, but, uh, um, yeah, Ironman is not, I'd say it's like a marathon. Like people say, oh, I've done a half marathon. A full marathon's not double. Like it's no. more, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. And to train for a full Ironman and race it is a lot it's not, it's more than double. Than, yeah. Than I the just did distance. the New York city marathon and I, for the first time, you know, I have never done a marathon and you have to focus on running and I have never run so much in my life, That's good but that you're not it was, too competitive. Def I definitely had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. I loved it, but yeah. I still love triathlon. I, I think, I don't know about next year, but New York is on my bucket list for sure. Yeah. It's, it was uh, a great race. It looks incredible. I mean, the pictures where you run, uh, the amount of people, the support on the streets. I ran Boston in 2010. You did. And oh, that, so you're fast. You have is, to be. You can't. Did you call you? You have to be fast to get into Boston. I, I ran 254 in Boston, so I had a good day. That's amazing. On a pretty wow. hard course, but that was the coolest sporting event I've ever done in my life. Boston. Yeah, just the crowds. Like Ironmans are cool, but you know, there's people at the finish line. Yeah. You know, you, you get on the bike for 180 K and you see 12 people like, yeah. It's, and you're you, like, am I still doing the Ironman? Yeah. Yeah. You could. Yeah. But you do Boston and it's 20 people deep. You land in town 
everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Every, you know, the cab picks you up and oh, you're running the marathon. You go to the hotel. Everybody's running. Everybody's running the marathon. Yeah. It's like that in New York. Yeah. Which is, I think from an energy standpoint and a cool factor, I've never experienced anything like Boston. Like the towns you run through, the crowd support. It's, it's crazy. It's amazing. I feel like it's like probably what the equivalent of triathlon is like Kona. Kona I don't know because you can't get out on that the, Queen no, K highway. No, There's the, no cheering on the bike. <laughs> the, the we've snuck out a little further down than you're yeah. you're supposed to, but it's pretty desolate and lonely. Yeah, like there's is. not a lot going on. But that is, uh, I've never been to a Super Bowl, but I'm assuming like that's anybody that's in triathlon is there. All yeah. the suppliers are there. All the media is there. All the ex champions are there. All the best athletes are there, and it's very it's confined. Like the town is small, and you, within you know, three miles, you're seeing everybody. Yeah. And it's just this buzz that, you know, it's just a type people completely freaking out yeah. before a race. <laughs> and it's, totally. it, the energy is, is absolutely incredible. You're right. The race, you don't get to see a lot of it cause you can't go out that far, but yeah. the hot corner, which is a kind of a famous place is it's, it's pretty amazing to watch it live. And it's hot there. It's, I feel like it's the hottest place in the world. Yeah. Just um, watching is hard. It's, it, yeah. I watch it from my computer screen in New York. Yeah. So, and what about for VeloFix? Like what's the biggest events that you do where you have that cut, where you're like connecting with that many consumers and experience? Yeah. I think, um, you know, Kona is a big one. Obviously we've got a franchise partner over there. So from a triathlon perspective, that that's the big one. We will support, you know, probably hundreds of triathlons throughout the whole uh, franchise system. Uh, as I said, we do uh, we do some Fondo races. Uh, I was just down at George Hincapie's Fondo down in South Carolina, which right. uh, which we sponsored and, and supported this year. We'll do his event in Dallas next year as well. So yeah, we we try to you know from a corporate perspective try to get out and support events that bring people from all over North America. That was the one thing with George's event, which I thought was very cool. It was the first time I've ever gone and ridden down there, yeah. South Carolina, which was, was amazing. It was beautiful. It was a first class event, but the amount of people I met from all over, you know, hundreds of Canadians came down, you meet people from New York, LA. And for us, that's, that's great because, you know, local events are fantastic and you're supporting the community. Right. But when you get these events that are, you know, more international and people from all over, it helps, you know, it helps from a brand exposure standpoint. Is that one of, is that in your program to be international or? Yeah. You know, we've, we've had many, many discussions. We've had a couple deals that were very close uh, to launch in the UK. Um, South America is another market that just, we get requests all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think down the road, you know, 2020 for us is really a, a aggressive growth year to put corporate trucks on the road, put more franchise trucks on the road and really grow out our network in North America. Um, you know, the, the st- st- statistics would say there's 4,000 bike shops somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for us, we can have 500 of these mobile bike shops in North America and really not even be, um, you know, denting the overall size of the market. Right. So yeah, we've got aggressive plans in North America and that'll be our focus for the next year or two for sure. But absolutely. I mean, this business model, we believe if it can work here, it's going to work in other countries where cycling is more, uh, you know, used on a daily basis from, from a commuting standpoint, it's more in the culture. And if you take a place like London, you know, no different than New York traffic's right. terrible. Uh, parking's very expensive. Costs of cars have gone up significantly and people are finding, uh, are looking for alternative modes of transport. And yeah. the bike is, you know, at the end of the day is still the best yeah. and most I mean, cost effective form of transport there is. 
It's too bad. City Bike isn't one of your. Yeah, we do. You know, some of our franchise partners do work with, you know, city bikes and fleets of bikes and things like that. It's tougher in um, markets where we're busy with franchise partners are busy because obviously the, the cost of repairing those bikes is a lot lower. I mean, the volume's higher, but it's a different model. So for us to roll a, a, a full-size mobile bike shop out and try to do repairs on those bikes doesn't really work for our model. But Nick in, in uh, Kona is a great example. There's a bike share system in Kona, and he services that. So in some marks, markets, it works for sure. And then, you know, as you know, Uber and Lyft and all the scooters right. and all these different things that are happening with micro-mobility, they call it, is really changing the way people get around. Uh, electric bikes is is the fastest growing segment of the bike industry. Yeah, like it's just, I read that it's going, somewhere recently. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going crazy. Yeah. So for us, it's wonderful because uh, e-bikes are bringing people into biking that may not have got into it. Right. They're also bringing people back that maybe hit a certain age and didn't feel comfortable on the road anymore or didn't have the fitness. And, you know, the, the bikes are, you need diagnostics for them. They're a little more complicated. They're a little heavier than regular bikes. So the wear and tear on them is greater. So, um, that's been, uh, that's been fun for us to, to get into that space and, and really be, uh, kind of a, a trusted expert on, on e-bikes across all of our franchise partners. Awesome. And do you ever do education or talks for people, for athletes? I think, you know, get all the triathlon clubs together and have them come and like do a talk. Yeah, we'd know. love to. I mean, I think we've, uh, you know, we've got ambassadors that are legends of tri- triathlon that I think would be great to integrate. You know, a big thing for me that, that I love and trying to get educated on is nutrition. You nutrition. Know, yeah. I mean, nutrition is in endurance events. It's the, you know, in triathlon, it's, they call it the fourth. You know, it's like the, the secret weapon. Yeah, of course it's it like is. The, yeah. the secret to success is your nutrition. Yeah. And most people don't get it right. Don't spend enough time and energy on it. So, you know, I think there's all those things we can do. We, when we launched the business, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the things we did for marketing were talks you know, we called them uh, lunch and learns. Yeah. So we'd go to corporations and, and talk about bike safety and, and, you know, bike fit and those type of things. So a lot of our franchise partners do that. And we're going to be rolling out some things next year where we're going to do our own technical reviews and mm-hmm. we're going to do our own how to's, you know, ask a mechanic type of thing. A big part of what we try to do is education. Yeah. You know, I'm very it, curious. I mean, I, I was talking to the bike techs at one of the stores I go to, I, I'm t- I mean, I, I like to bring my bike in because I like to feel safe, but I also want to know how to fix it if I need to. And like the other thing I'm always wondering about is like tire pressure and, you know, should I pump my tires, you know, when it's raining, like, or if it's cold or if it's hot, like what's the tire pressure? I mean, I'm so te- like geeky and technical that way, but I know what makes a difference. So, you know, I, I just, you know, that was my, I, I always, I keep thinking about like, getting someone to come and like do a lesson. And then some of my friends tell me they already know all these things, you know, but they don't. But <laughs> well, the like, person that don't. tells you they are, they yeah, probably know totally. it all doesn't, yeah. but no, you're right. I think, you know, the thing with, with cycling, which, which is amazing to me is the innovation factor. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the core the frames, the carbon frames haven't changed drastically over the years. I think the quality is better and they're a little bit lighter, but really it's the components. Yeah. So, well, so disc brakes, I was just gonna uh, say, E-tap, so. electric shifting, you talk about tire pressure. Like I run tubeless now, oh, right? Okay. So I, I don't, you know, and I've got, I, I run a wider tire. I run a 28 mil. So there's little things that, you know, I would rather be more comfortable. It, it rolls better. It corners better. Most of the pro Peloton in, in cycling is moving to a wider tire. But there's, yeah, it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing. And if you're a triathlete and you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. on coaching, nutrition, bikes, races. wetsuit, races, travel, I always think, like, why would you not spend a little bit more time to educate yourself on, yeah. to your point, tire pressure? It's the only thing touching the road. Like, why would you have a $20,000 bike or a $15,000 bike and you're not getting yourself educated on 
what tire pressure you should run. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's for us is an education standpoint is, is teaching people about what's best and how to do it. So I think that's one of the things we'll, we'll spend some more time on for sure. Awesome. I'm sure we'll uh, talk. I see maybe, people maybe come and do uh, Ironman Canada. Yeah. Well, I would come do Ironman Canada. Yeah. When is it? Summer. Okay. Uh, I think it's August. Use it to qualify for Kona. I'm not ready. I, if, <laughs> even if I qualified for Kona, I'd be too scared to swim in the ocean. Well, this has been great. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you very much for having thank me. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.